Hey, what's up, guys? We are so excited that you were joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can connect and engage with other Grace members around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1 today. Uh, You've got message notes in your hands that they passed out. If you'd like to follow along, you can also grab those electronically and follow along if you'd like to do that. But the story of uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah uh, starts in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 5. The Bible says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abion. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Now, both of them were righteous in the sight of God. How many would like for the Bible to say that about you one day? He was righteous in the sight of God. Amen. And, and so they were observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Again, if the Bible says you're old, just wear it, (laughs) you're old, okay? And so in these next few verses, we read about this amazing experience that Zechariah has while he's serving as a priest in the temple. Uh, Remember, an angel appears to him and tells him, hey, Zechariah, You and your wife are going to have a baby, even in your old age. And remember, Zechariah is a priest, so he's a man of God. His reaction wasn't awesome. He said, but God, I'm an old man. So as a result of his unbelief, the angel says, hey, you're not going to be able to talk until after this baby's born. Now, I say that because I want you to put yourself in the, in the mind of Elizabeth, from her perspective. It's an otherwise ordinary day. Zechariah comes home from work, and he's not saying anything. <laughs> Perhaps she's thinking, is he giving me the silent treatment? No married person ever did the silent treatment, right? But even when he, he's not talking, so maybe, he, maybe he's trying hand gestures, or he's, he asked for a writing tablet, but, uh, but we, don't, he, we know that he can't speak for the next week or weeks, and even the next several months. Now, it's pretty odd, because we don't know that Zechariah is able to explain to Elizabeth what the angel had said, or the fact that he didn't believe what the angel had said, and that's the reason I'm not talking. But either way, Elizabeth soon finds out, hey, we're having a baby. So weeks pass and months pass, and Elizabeth is walking through this pregnancy alone. Remember, she can't talk to her husband. She can't process what's going on because he can't talk. And even the struggles that she has being a pregnant person. Uh, But one day, there's a knock at the door. And I want to remind you uh, that in those days, they didn't text or tweet. There was no email. There were no phones. So every visit was a surprise visit. Wouldn't you love that? You know, showing up for Christmas the next week. Hey, we're here. 
Well, that's exactly what happened, except the person knocking on the door was Elizabeth's cousin Mary. Now, verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Put yourself in this story. Here are two ladies, both with amazing stories to tell. Elizabeth's like, Mary, I got a story to tell. And Mary's like, no, I got a better story to tell. It's pretty amazing because they're both miraculously pregnant. I mean, listen, Elizabeth, her and Zechariah are basically a modern day Abraham and Sarah. And then there was this thing about her husband not talking, which she still didn't understand. And maybe that was a good thing, but we're not sure. But it's an amazing story. And so who's going to tell their story first? I don't think Elizabeth could have dreamed that Mary's story would be even more amazing than her own. Because Elizabeth had conceived in the usual way. God had blessed her and Zechariah, even though they were very old, but they conceived in the normal, usual way. But Mary was a virgin. Jesus was not conceived in the usual way. His life, his DNA, wasn't drawn from a human father, but from God himself. So God himself is taking on the form of a baby in Mary's womb. Remember the angel said in Matthew chapter 1, what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. This is a pretty crazy, amazing miracle, isn't it? So God, the eternal son, was taking human nature and form uh, from a young mother who became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God, the eternal God, the awesome God, the amazing God became flesh. Now, nothing like this had ever happened before, and frankly, nothing like this will ever happen again. It's so unique and so powerful, God becomes flesh. So imagine this scene. You have two women both experiencing miracles, both from different generations. Elizabeth was very old. Mary was very young. Both with amazing stories to tell, and Mary arrives at the front door. I want you to notice the first thing from this story is is Elizabeth's confession. In chapter 1, verse 43, she says, Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. I want us to notice that she says, my Lord. Elizabeth confesses the unborn Jesus as my Lord. That's pretty amazing. Think about how little she knew at this point before she makes this remarkable confession. And then compare that with the guy we call Doubting Thomas. Right? The Apostle Thomas knew Jesus, walked with Jesus, saw his miracles, his, heard him teach, watched him die, and yet he continues to doubt until the moment Jesus appears to them after the resurrection. He puts his hand in his side, and only then does he say, my Lord and my God. But Elizabeth makes that confession before, uh, before Jesus was even born. Which begs the question, how much more do you need to know about Jesus before you confess him as Lord? Some of you might be listening to this message 
in person. Some of you may be watching online right now and you're stuck in this endless cycle of, of exploring and learning about Jesus. But ultimately it comes down to one question. Is Jesus Lord of all? Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. So when this conversation between Elizabeth and Mary takes place, remember that Elizabeth hadn't heard Jesus' teachings. She hadn't seen a single miracle. She wasn't there for his baptism. She hadn't seen his transfiguration. She knew nothing about death on a cross or the resurrection or his ascension into heaven. She didn't have the New Testament to read about Jesus, and she would have never had an opportunity to attend a church service like this. All she had was one simple truth. God is becoming flesh, and he's dwelling among us. And that one confession changed everything. Because Elizabeth was quick to realize that if this child was God, then he must be Lord of all. And remember she says, the mother of my Lord, because if he is the Lord of all, then he must be the Lord of me. She confesses the unborn Jesus as her Lord. The incarnation, the miracle in which God becomes a man in Jesus is the miracle that makes the rest of the New Testament make sense. Think about this. If Jesus is God in the flesh, then nobody's going to be surprised that he does miracles. If he's God in the flesh, who would be surprised that he actually rose from the grave? If he is the eternal word, we shouldn't be surprised when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. If he is the one by whom the world was made, the creator himself entering into his creation, then who would be surprised that he would lay claim to the love, the life, the loyalty, the faith, the worship, the servants, the obedience of every person who ever lives on the face of the planet because he created the planet. He created you. See, here's the miracle that Elizabeth gets right out of the gate in the Christmas story. That if he is the Lord of all, then he must be the Lord of me. Since Elizabeth made that confession based on what little she knew, how much more should you and I make that confession based on everything we know? That's the ultimate question. Do you believe in Christmas? Not necessarily in Santa Claus and reindeer and home alone. But do you believe that God became flesh and dwelt among us? Because if that's true, then he's the Lord of all. And if he's the Lord of all, the only question remains, is he the Lord of you? I think sometimes we don't make that confession because... Many times, confessing Jesus as Lord is costly. It will cost us something. There are parts of the world where confessing Jesus as Lord can cost you your life. In our Christmas offering this year, we're partnering with a dozen churches to meet some strategic needs on the continent of Africa. And I was able to meet some believers in Jesus uh, new believers in Jesus who are now in harm's way because of their confession of Jesus as Savior. 
because they confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, many of their Muslim family members have tried to kill them. But because Jesus is Lord of all, there have been some miracles involved in their lives. When I was in Africa earlier this year in September, I was able to meet several of these men, former Muslims who have confessed Jesus as Lord and surrendered their lives to him. Now for their safety, uh, I can't show their picture to the audience that's watching online, but you are in the room can see their faces and we're not gonna use their names because we wanna protect them and prevent uh, even more persecution coming to them than they already are experiencing. But when, within the last couple of months, these brothers in Christ have been taken several times by their families who are not happy with their decision to confess Christ as savior and we affectionately call them the band of brothers. But when their family comes to abduct them or to take them away, they willingly go with them as the spirit leads because their goal is to share their faith with their family members whom they love and whom they're praying for that they too will confess Christ as savior. Of course, we pray for them and many of the church there pray for them. And as a result, God's provided some pretty miraculous intervention uh, into their lives and as, a, as an opportunity for their family members to see and, and confess their lives to Jesus Christ. Can I give you just a highlight reel of some of the crazy stories that's happened to these guys in the last few months? On the beach in the middle of the night while waiting for a boat to take them out to the sea to be drowned by their family members, two of these brothers witnessed their family members being swarmed by bees from heaven in the middle of the night. There's no other way to explain it except they were from heaven. Richard's family had him taken to the mainland. And by the way, Richard's not his real name. I'm using a different name to protect him. But Richard's family had him taken to the mainland and were sending him to an extremist school in a neighboring country, but he was able to escape. Nick's family rode him out uh, on a boat into the middle of the Indian Ocean, several miles into the ocean, and they pushed him off the boat and left him there to die. So there he is in the middle of the night in the dark ocean. He's just praying and praying and praying and swimming, praying and swimming. Just keep swimming. Sorry. I don't know why that came to mind. Somebody needed that today. But he's swimming. He sees a light. And there's a light of a fishing boat. So he swims up to it. They take him into his boat. Now, they're fishing through the night, so they keep fishing before they take him back to shore, which meant he had time to witness to them about Jesus. The last time, just a few weeks ago, two of these brothers were taken to the mainland, and they overheard their family members talking about how many times and how many different ways they tried to end Nick's life, this one that swam to the, to the fishing boat. So this time, uh, they overheard them talking that they wanted to set him and another one of these brothers on fire. So after a little time, they heard a commotion, and they realized the electricity in the house had caught fire at the breaker box, and the fire was traveling through the walls uh, in the wires. And so they were able to leave during all of the chaos. So the same fire that they were going to use to kill them is now protecting them. Now, what do, why are they doing this? What do their families want from these men? They want them to retract their confession that Jesus is Lord. But they're not bending. Thank God. 
and we won't either. And part of our Christmas offering today is going to come alongside uh, this small group of believers uh, to provide the theological training that they need because each one of them wants to start a house church all across their country. And so the goal is we want to help fund six new house churches. In Burkina Faso, uh, you may or may not be aware that Al-Qaeda, the Islamic State of the Greater Sahel, and Boko Haram, and two other groups of Islamic extremists are trying to turn that country into a caliphate. And they have destroyed more than 4,000 public schools. They've burned more than 1,000 evangelical churches. They're forcing young kids into madrasas, which are Islamic schools. Now, why would they do that? Because they don't want people confessing Jesus as Lord. But we're not willing to give a generation over to extremists, are we? So in today's offering, we're going to partner with the National Church there in Burkina Faso to open two new elementary schools in key cities to offer as an alternative to Islamic fundamentalism. Let me show you a picture of Hannah and Omat. 30 years ago, Hannah's father was a Presbyterian pastor. And they were ministering in the Oromo tribe in Ethiopia. In Ethiopia. But they killed her dad because of his confession of Jesus as Lord. Hannah married Omat. They immigrated to America and began living the American dream. Omat has obtained advanced degrees. He's set up for life. And by the way, all the time <clears throat> they're doing that here in America, they're planting churches among the Ethiopian people. But God began to stir Hannah and Omat to return to Ethiopia. But not just to Ethiopia, but to return to the, uh, the Oromo tribe to plant the church there. So you're getting that right. They're going to return to the same tribe to preach Jesus, the same tribe that killed her father. Why would she do that? Why would they do that? Because Omat and Hannah believe what Elizabeth believed, that this baby is the Lord of all, and he's not willing that any should perish, but that everybody come to repentance. Now this morning, our ushers are going to give everybody a gift today. I'd like you guys to go ahead and come and distribute. These are bracelets. Uh, we did not order these from Amazon the other day. These are directly from Africa. And all of these bracelets are handmade by the Maasai tribe in Eastern Africa. And uh, they're very colorful. And the reason I, I share this with you is because, go ahead and pass those out, guys, just as quickly as you can. Um, the Maasai tribe 25 years ago was considered an unreached people group, which meant that uh, statistically they were unreached by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But about 25 years ago, somebody said, we're not okay with that. So missionaries went to the Maasai, tri Maasai tribe people, uh, churches gave, Christians gave, Christians were generous, and as a result, 
I can tell you that 25 years, fast forward 25 years to now, that the Maasai tribe in Africa is one of the people groups where the gospel is growing the fastest. You must not have heard me. 25 years ago, they were considered unreached by the gospel. Fast forward 25 years, the gospel is growing amongst that tribe, amongst the fastest people groups in the whole world. And I know you might be asking, well, Pastor, are we given to the Maasai tribe? No. Uh, none of the Africa projects that we're giving to uh, are part, or the Maasai tribe are part of that. But I give this to you as an illustration because we are going to be investing in some other unreached people groups. And one of those is the Oromo tribe in Ethiopia. And today we're going to give in faith. Listen closely. We're going to give in faith that perhaps 25 years from now, who knows if I'll still be the pastor of this church, but 25 years from now, somebody's going to stand up here and say, hey, 25 years ago, we said it's not okay that people don't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to invest in them, and hopefully 25 years from now, we'll be able to say that the Oromo tribe is where the gospel is growing the fastest amongst people. So I hope that you'll wear the bracelet as a reminder of this Christmas offering and, and what we're doing together here today and to pray for those people that are unreached that they too will confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Elizabeth's confession is powerful, but I like the second observation from this story, Elizabeth's rejoicing. This whole story is full of rejoicing. It's full of laughter and joy because the baby even leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And, and she's, the Bible says that it was more than just the normal baby kicking or rolling around. Chapter 1, verse 44 says, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now think about that for a second. Jesus comes on the scene in the form of a baby in Mary's womb, and the very presence of Jesus causes the baby in Elizabeth to leap for joy. I want to remind you, I'm not going to re-preach last week's message, but the presence of Jesus is what brings joy to your life, even to an unborn child. If we're going to experience joy this Christmas season that lasts beyond December 25th, we got to get close to Jesus. We got to get close to the Lord. Somebody say amen. Some, some Bible scholars even believe that when Elizabeth made this statement, that it was almost in the form of poetry, like a song, which means that Elizabeth may have been the very first person to sing a Christmas carol. Her confession of Jesus brought joy. Can I tell you that confessing Jesus as Lord is always going to increase your joy? But can I tell you the opposite is true? You will never find joy as your own Lord or Master. Now you can look for it in money. You can look for it in experiences. You can look for it in a bottle. But can I tell you, it may bring you happiness for a season, but true joy, real joy, the kind that lasts, the kind that lasts forever, is only found in one person, and his name is Jesus. 
these women found joy in the coming of Jesus, even though their lives were very hard. Remember, they were both very poor. Elizabeth is poor and old and pregnant, and her husband can't talk. And still there is joy. And then there's Mary, who's young and poor and unmarried, facing an uncertain future. And they both found joy in Jesus. Can I just encourage everybody here today? You're never going to find joy in things, in Christmas presents, or anything like that. You're going to find true joy when you experience a relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. I need somebody to say amen today. The church in Kenya is very poor, but they found joy in Jesus as well. We have a good number of Kenyan families uh, in our church, and I, I'm just going to go ahead and testify. Some of the most joyful people I've ever met are followers of Jesus in Kenya. The church there has grown exponentially. The Kenya Assemblies of God has planted thousands of churches in the last five years. Again, I'm not sure you're hearing me. We planted thousands of churches in the last five years. So they've created a problem. Now, it's, not, it's a good problem. It's more of a challenge, really, is that the rate of growth has outpaced our ability to provide buildings. So we have at least 500 churches in Kenya without a building, and most of them are meeting under a tree. And our goal in this Christmas offering is to help purchase buildings for many of these congregations. By the way, each building costs $4,250 each. Now, not only does the structure protect them from the elements and the hot African sun, but it also communicates permanence to the community. Uh, ministries come and go, but how many churches with buildings are communicating, hey, we're here to stay? Some of you may have driven a full 20 minutes to come to church today, maybe even longer. Many of these villages in Kenya, people walk for hours to get to a church. So if they get there and there's not a building and it rains, guess what? They're not canceling church. They're having church anyway. And you know what they're doing? They're rejoicing. We visited one of the churches on the coast of Kenya and the village is a typical coastal village surrounded by coconut trees. The pastor's name is Job. His real name, by the way. He lives about an hour and a half away, and he drives on a motorbike to come and lead the services. Uh, the people in the village are very poor, subsistence farmers. Uh, the women make money by harvesting grass and turning them into brooms. The brooms sell for about 20 cents each. Now, currently, their church is meeting under a mango tree, but how many know they would love to have a church building? Now, as you can imagine, it would take quite the miracle uh, for them to build a church building that costs several thousand dollars when their income is based off of selling brooms. Now, if you do the math, some of you engineers are already doing the math. Well, we did the math. In order to build a church, they would need to sell 21,250 of their brooms. To build their church. Now that might seem reasonable, except in order to do that, they would have to sell 12 brooms to every single person in their community. They need our help. Like, the, uh, like Mary and Elizabeth in our story, the Christians in Kenya 
have joy even though they don't have much. When they show up for church, they stand under a mango tree, they dance, they worship, they pray. Not because they have a building, not because everything's awesome, but their God is awesome. And they take joy in the Lord, even under a mango tree. Did you know there are thousands of people who visit our food pantry every month? Everyone is in a different situation, all experiencing food insecurity. But our goal as a church is not to just give them food. We want them, we want them to experience the true joy that comes from knowing Jesus. And, and our food pantry team prays and encourages and shares the gospel with hundreds of people every single week. Many of them have found their way into this church, now confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We want to help them continue to do that. Amen? Let's be part of the miracle. Here's the last part of the story. There's Elizabeth's confession, Elizabeth's rejoicing, and the third observation is Elizabeth's believing. In Luke chapter 1, verse 45, she says, Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord, that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So ask yourself this question, <clears throat> why did Mary end up at Elizabeth's house? Why did Mary knock on the door? Why did she knock on Elizabeth's door? If you put yourself in Mary's world, you got you to gotta realize how lonely she would have been, knowing what God was doing, but also knowing that most people would never believe her impossible story that an angel came and said, you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. Perhaps that's why, in addition to the message that the angel gave to Mary, he said to her in verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I like how the New King James puts verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. The angel is basically saying, hey Mary, I know what we're telling you sounds impossible, but your cousin Elizabeth has experienced also an impossible miracle. And so Mary chooses to go to Elizabeth's house because she knew Elizabeth would believe anything is possible with God. In this year's Christmas offering, we're going to be believing for some pretty impossible things together. Let me highlight just a few. We're believing that together with 12 churches, that we're going to provide 500 church buildings in Kenya at $4,250 each. Now, these buildings actually cost more than $4,250. But the Kenyan Assemblies of God believes they shouldn't just take American money and just buy everything for them, that every church has to have a stake and investment in that church building. But our part is going to be $4,250 so that we can build a church instead of them meeting under a tree. Now, in just a moment, if you, if you respond to the Christmas offering, you say, hey, pastor, I want to build, I want to fund one of those churches and make sure it's $4,250, all right? And make, mark it clearly, hey, I want to build a church. And if you do that, uh, when you, that church is built, we'll send you a picture of the building and the pastor. We're believing for two schools and Burkina Faso 
instead of madrasas at $85,000 each. We want to provide $170,000 to Matt and Andrea Marlin. They were here last Sunday in Mozambique and where the campus ministry is just growing like crazy. They need a property that costs $170,000. We want to provide 1,500 anti-trafficking toolkits at $56 each to help train churches and pastors to prevent the trafficking of African women to Europe. We're believing for $56,000 for new businesses. We call them business as mission in the country of Sudan. $85,000 for discipleship and church planning in Zanzibar. Six new church buildings in Equatorial Guinea at $9,300 each. Somebody may want to build that building. $168,000 for several plots of land and starter buildings uh, on the island of Pemba. Many of you have met Paul and Sam Freeman. They've been here many times, still serving faithfully in Pemba. And of course, we want to provide launch funds for Hannah and Omat as they reach out to the Oromo tribe in Ethiopia. Now, you can read all the details about these Africa projects uh, at uh, graceassembly.org forward slash Christmas offering. We provided you a booklet several weeks ago. If you haven't read the booklet or you'd like another copy, it's at the red information tent. We also texted out a link uh, to everybody a few weeks ago with all the details about these Africa projects. Now, uh, I think Mary went to Elizabeth's house because how many know it's easier to believe God for the impossible when other people are believing with you? And so the good news is we're not alone in what we're trying to do today. In fact, we're, jo we're joining 12 churches uh, and multiple business people this year to address this huge task. Many of you have heard of uh, a group called the Stone Table. The Stone Table is, uh, is an umbrella organization for a business that decided years ago to give 50% of their profits to missions every year. Pause and think about that. They're giving away 50% of their profits every year to missions. And so they are matching up to $700,000 of everything that's given toward these Africa projects amongst these 12 churches. So we're believing together for the impossible. Now I know sometimes people ask Pastor, why do you, why, why do we get so many letters and emails about the Christmas offering? You talk about it pretty often. Well, there's a couple reasons. Uh, one is our goal is that everybody participates, okay? Our vision is that 100% of everybody in our church is part of this offering. Uh, men, women, students, teenagers, kids, businesses, everybody participate. And in order for that to happen, uh, let, let's just say it this way. Not everybody opens their mail, right? Because some of you are like, well, I've got multiple pieces. And some of you are like, what mail, right? So we, we're just trying to communicate clearly uh, what we're doing. And the second reason we do it that way is because we want this to be a faith decision, not an emotional decision. We don't want to just show up at church on a Sunday and say, hey, but, you know, hey, we're doing this today and just, you know, pressure, 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 pressure. Uh, that is not how we do things around here. As a matter of fact, this is a pen. This is the pressure balloon. Pressure's off. 
No pressure at all. What we want you to do, what we hope you've been doing, is talking to Jesus about what you're going to do today. And because if he speaks to you about what to do, he's going to help you. Provide it and make it possible. I think it's a... Now, by the way, as a church, not only are we partnering with these other churches to fund these projects in Africa... Our vision is to fund Great Harvest Food Pantry for one year. I asked Melissa, our food pantry director, what would it take uh, to purchase all the food and all of the needs for babies for one year? And she estimated it to be about $48,000. We want to fund that in this year's offering and make a difference in the lives of our community. And then after we funded the Africa projects and after we funded the food pantry, there'll be a third bucket for exterior updates and all of that kind of stuff. But those are the priorities that we're going to be funding those things today. So we'd like you to participate in today's offering. You say, Pastor, do I have to? No, you don't. You get to. You get to. I want you to imagine how crazy it is in the world that we live in and all that's going on on the other side of the world. And God said there's a need of these people who are being persecuted, of these churches without buildings, of these ministries that are growing but they're being attacked. I need somebody to help them. And God in his Rolodex in heaven, do people even have Rolodexes anymore? I'm not sure. Grace Assembly of God in Greenwood. They'll help them. They'll do their part. I don't know about you, but I'm like, yes. Thank you, God. Thank you for entrusting to us the opportunity to make a difference in this community and on the other side of the world. Because let's be honest, it's highly unlikely any of us will ever meet any of those converts in Burkina Faso or Mozambique or Kenya or Zanzibar. But there will be a day when you and I get to heaven and there'll be somebody there from the Oromo tribe that right now they're lost, but they're going to be in heaven because somebody said yes to go and somebody said yes to give and somebody said yes to pray. Let's do it today. Let's, let's be part of a miracle. I, I think each of us can find ourselves in this story of Elizabeth. Some of us we may identify with Zechariah. Perhaps as you've been approaching this offering and God, God's speaking to you about something and you're like, but God, but God, but God. Can, can I tell you that faith, doubt can sideline us in moments where God wants to do the impossible. Thankfully, Zechariah got his voice back after the baby was born. But it took a little bit. And it may take you a little bit to come to terms with what God wants you to do. And that's okay. But let's, in the end, let's believe God. I know there's a lot of people in this room like Elizabeth. You don't have to be shown much. I don't have to convince you. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> and if he's the Lord of all, he's my Lord. Sign me up, Jesus, whatever you say. May it be to me, like Mary said, according to your word. 
You know, before we receive this offering today, the most important question today is not how much am I going to give in this offering or if I'm going to participate at all. The most important conversation is, is Jesus the Lord of all? Because if he is, then he must be your Lord. Is Jesus your Lord? Are you serving him? Are you following him? Is he your savior? Well, pastor, I, I believe in Christmas and all that stuff. And Jesus came as a baby. We sing about it. That's awesome. No, 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 no. You're missing the whole thing. If you don't understand, if he's God, he's Lord of everything and everybody. And the Bible says there'll be a day in heaven when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess what? Jesus Christ is Lord. You can do it now or you can do it later. But let me be really bold. You will confess Jesus is Lord. Let's confess him as Lord before it's too late. Let's do it right now. Let's do it today. Some of you have been searching, exploring for years and years. I'm waiting for a word from the Lord. This is the word from God right here. Today's your day. Bow your head, please. Close your eyes, please. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do a work in our hearts and speak to us. I pray for everyone here today. You are not the Lord of their life. They are the Lord in charge of their own life. And I pray today, God, that you would give them courage to surrender. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here today and say, Pastor, that's me. My life's not right with God. Jesus is not in full control of my life. I am. And today I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to surrender my life, my future, everything to Jesus Christ. If that's you here today, I want to lead you in the very first but most important step and do exactly what Elizabeth did. Confess Jesus as Savior. If that's you today, I want you to join me in this prayer of confession. And any believer in this room that wants to join with us, pray this out loud and pray it this way and say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. You are God. I surrender. My life is yours. From this day forward, I choose you. You died for my sin and rose again from the grave. I receive eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody should give God praise for the joy of even one person coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Come on, you can't golf clap when people get right with God. The Bible says there's more rejoicing in heaven over one person. Praise God. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to the Grace Assembly of God podcast so you're up to date on all sermons. Also, if you want more Grace content, make sure you subscribe to the Deeper Grace podcast, where Pastor Wayne will dive deeper into his most recent message. Have a great week, and God bless.